Hi, welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle, your co-host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. Delighted to have you. Welcome back to the squirrels who have been here before, to our new squirrels. Hi, how's it going? The 12th House Podcast is a little corner of the internet where we bring together creativity, inspiration, intuition, spiritual shit, the metaphysical, the practical, tactical stuff that comes to running a business. And we bring it to you so that you can do your sacred work, so you can self-actualize, so you can be the biggest you you could possibly be. It's really fun. You're going to like it, I think. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Hi, Wallace. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm out in the desert and it just is full body breath of fresh air and sigh of relief. Mm. How are you? I'm jealous. I'm not in the desert, but I'm doing well. It's been really, really beautiful spring weather over here and it's not been too hot yet. I love when spring hits New York and like everyone takes out shorts. Everyone is in their pale legs and their shorts and like just happy to be alive. And it's one of the best things. It's true. Sandals are out. The toes are flocking. Honestly, this is an unpopular opinion, but you need a flip flop. Sometimes you need a flip flop. You love a flip flop, (laughs) period. You're a SoCal girl. It's in your DNA. Through and through. (laughs) Welcome listeners. We're so happy that you're here. We just, we slid right into thong territory, but Friday philosophies are where we talk about the creative strategies, divergent strategies, frameworks, mental models in the world around us that help us see the world differently and perhaps process our problems and find new solutions. Just looking for a more creative way to get things done. And I have a mental model for you. So Wallace, have you ever heard of Via Negativa? Okay, so I've heard of it, but I don't understand it totally. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So Um, I'm ready to discuss. What is your connotation when I say via negativa to you? It's ideas around how one describes and relates to the idea of God. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you know, the like root in the original understanding of via negativa. So well done you, uh, via negativa. So it's a, it's a Latin term. Via means way, right? Negativa means negative, mm-hmm. like the Apian way that all roads lead to Rome. That's because one, literally one road led to Rome. Anyways, um, it was via Apia <laughs> and via negativa is a Latin term that means the negative way or the way of denial, which we're optimistic skeptics here. So mm. I don't know if this is contraindicatory to our worldview, but stay with me if you are a total optimist and you're like, I don't want any negativity in my life. This isn't necessarily a negative or pessimistic way of thinking about the world. Instead, we're exploring the term negative as in negative space. Via negativa, the concept itself rose out of theology, philosophy, and Christian mysticism. And it's most commonly associated with how Christian mystics would talk about God or understanding God. And it also comes up in, you know, it's not like a, it's not strictly Christian. It comes up in Buddhism. It's just called something else called neti neti. And it's also used in uh, actually the same term neti neti is used in Hinduism, which just means neither this nor that. It's a very similar approach. They all kind of are pointing in the same direction, which is basically used to indicate the ineffable nature of the divine. So that we can't really describe exactly what God is, but we can describe what God is not. So for example, God is not ignorant. God is not finite. God is not evil. Theology uses via negativa to try to begin to just barely understand what the human mind can't really comprehend, which is the awesome 
meaning in awe, the awesomeness of God or spirit or whatever you want to call it. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. I'm curious about how you would use it. Yes. In contemporary terms, because I think this is such a beautiful uh, model. It's such a something that we struggle with a lot in general. And I'm excited to hear how people have been using it in contemporary terms. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing about like mental models and frameworks, right? Is often mental models are like based in economics or a framework might be something that has to do with religion. And if you're like, well, I don't know if I like, <laughs> I'm trying to define the nature of God on a day-to-day basis. I don't know if this is useful to me. The thing is we, we take the understanding or the concept and we can apply it to something different. So we can apply via negativa to many of the problems that we approach in our day-to-day. Usually when we have a problem, our natural instinct is to add a new habit or buy a new solution. We try to accumulate in order to solve the problem. But Usually we improve our lives by subtracting instead, by taking things away. We usually get further by saying, what do I need to take away in order to improve my life? Um, so the, the foods perhaps that you avoid are more important than the foods that you eat or the distractions that you take away from your life are perhaps more important than um, the to, how many items you have on your to-do list in order to be more productive. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's making me think of not only essentialism, Mm -hmm. but just generally a minimalist lifestyle. Yeah. And the idea of like crowding out your plate. Yes. When you're trying to eat healthier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when we're defining something or trying to solve a problem by just saying what it's not as opposed to what it is, I think it just gives us more freedom to not have to be perfect and not have to have the right answer. So instead of someone saying, well, what should I do? in order to like be happier, we can say, well, here's what we can do to like, we definitely shouldn't do to to try and make you happier. We definitely like shouldn't add more work onto your plate. We definitely shouldn't put you in rooms with people who don't like you. (laughs) We definitely shouldn't make you, I don't know, watch Fox News for 12 hours a day. Those things are, are, are certainly not going to help us become happier. And sometimes by defining what we shouldn't do, it becomes even more clear what we should. Um, it's like we're solving a problem through process of elimination. It's like Wordle. If life was Wordle, where we're just trying to figure out what's what are the like by process of elimination, what is the right answer? Because I'm I'm learning what isn't. It's a little more fun. Mm-hmm. How how do you feel like you apply this right now in your life? Well, I think whenever we talk about burnout, you want to come from a place of via negativa because you don't want to add more stuff to your plate. If you're mm-hmm. feeling burnt out or exhausted yeah. or like everyone's asking too much of you. Um, you don't need more homework, right? You need to go through your day or you don't need to do anything, but you could go through your day and say, okay, what can I just stop doing right now? And I will say, speak from the eye. There are many things that I'm like, I should do this. I should do this. I can create lists and lists and lists, hundreds of thousands of hours worth of work that I quote unquote should do to make the business better or to make myself a better person. And I know that realistically, I'm never going to get to those things. There's always more work to be done. That's not my problem. My problem is not coming up with more to do. My problem is figuring out the right things to do. And I think for most of us, that's like, that's it, right? Figuring out what the priority is. Um, So I think when it comes to burnout, it's it's a really great question to ask. Well, what do I need to stop doing? I think when you're defining a brand, and trying to come up with a brand identity, mm-hmm. defining yourself by what you are not or who you don't want to be or what you don't want to sound like can 
sometimes guide the way with more nuance to how you want to sound or look or feel or make your customers feel rather than we want to make people feel understood. Okay, cool. But like, can we go a little bit deeper into the feeling of exactly what they mean? you mean by understood? Do you mean like understood and dragged? Do you mean understood like your therapist is nodding their head at you saying like, yes, I totally understand. Do you mean understood like you meet eyes with someone else across the room at a party who's also rolling their eyes at the guy in the center who's talking about, I don't know, their Porsche? Like that kind of understanding, all of these ways of understanding are different, right? But I think by defining what we don't want to be, we can get even clearer on what we do want to be. And I think that also really comes into play when we're figuring out big things like our purpose or our job or how we want to spend our time or how we want to be in relationship. Like there are, I think, a lot of people who are like, I don't want a relationship like my mom and dad. Okay, great. That's a great jumping off point, you know? Oh, such a good point. I feel like we naturally do that so much with parents and parenting. It's like, okay, well, I don't, I know that I don't want to do X and Y like my parents. Mm -hmm. We so easily think about that. And sometimes I think even though there's negativa in the title, it's such a great reframe to use quote unquote negative experiences as propelling positive forces and just bits of information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like negative space, negative space isn't, uh, doesn't have like a negative or bad connotation with it, right? It can be neutral. Exactly. So I want to think more in my life about what is it that I need to take away in order to solve my problem? Like, what do I need to pull from my line of sight that's blocking my line of sight or my vision? Instead of reaching for more, like, let me go buy this new thing or let me go add this new habit into my habit stack or let me go outsource this problem to someone else. Is there a way that I can, I I mean, I can do the opposite, right? I can subtract. I'm just thinking a lot about that myself lately and how that can help me conserve my energy because I'm give, I tend to give my energy away. I'm like, okay, but what can I, how can I make it feel like more cyclical, more like, like it's pouring back into me as opposed to like pouring out of me all the time. Do you feel like becoming a mom has helped reinforce this? Yeah, maybe. I guess I, I, I'm even more like acutely aware of time and how like there's, yeah, you can't totally. get time back. And I think a lot about like, well, what if this is like the only, Rhodes is my only child that I have. I'll I'll never do this again. I don't get a do-over. I feel like I don't have the luxury or nor do I want the luxury of sort of throwing in the towel or like not feeling like every moment is really precious, but also like no moments are like, it's just life. Like it ain't that deep, but also it is. So I just am thinking a lot about like, if I'm going to waste time, am I choosing to waste time? as opposed to, is someone else making that choice for me? That's kind of a trope of essentialism too, right? If you don't choose, other people choose for you. Definitely. And I'm around a lot of very small babies and toddlers recently, and they're just such good reminders of they're so essential and they're thinking about this via negativa like or they're embodying it in such a palpable way because they just have needs that are Mm -hmm. going to be communicated in one way or another to you. And they're not really doing much else. They have like a pretty solid set of needs that is repeatable. 
you are so right. That's such a good example because a lot of the time when your kid is, your baby is crying, it's not because they need more stuff from you. It's actually because they're really overwhelmed. Right. <laughs> and they're like, there's actually too many sounds and my diaper's wet and I'm hungry. Like you don't need to put more stimulation in front of them. And I think that we're the same way. And yet we reach for more stimulation. We reach for more and more and more thinking it'll maybe drown out that like internal call that we have for something greater when really what we need to do is like not to be so like philosophical about it, but we need to sort of like face down the shadow or like the labyrinth inside of us, like dive into it head first as opposed to like ignoring the call, um, the call to go deeper, like trying to drown it out with the sound of the radio. That's not going to work. It's going to keep calling to us. Mm. So well said and everything in our society is trying to pull us to keep treading water versus to your point going deeper. It's like all these distractions are bobbing on the surface as these like shiny boys to safety, but really actually they're distractions for the most part and looking for the next boy to prop you up versus Mm -hmm. something that's maybe more sustainable is like learning how to swim or dive or whatever in this analogy. (laughs) KP and I were talking today, we're, we're working on a secret project that Wallace knows about, but you listener yes. don't know about yet. But we were talking about what would, how would you be different or how would you approach the world if you remembered that everyone who's trying to, to give you a solution or who says, I have the right answer is trying to sell you something. Like every single person who's like, oh yeah, I got, I got it. I know how to fix that. They're trying to sell you something, whether it's a book or whatever. And what if you stepped outside of capitalism? Like what would happen? Mm -hmm. What would happen to your creativity, to your productivity? Yes, exactly. To the distractions. Like how would your life change? And we both kind of like shuddered for a second while we were talking about it. Cause you're like, damn. Your life would change in so many ways. You'd value community more and connection more and you go down that path. But I think it's such a good reminder of, I don't know, just an essential minimalist lifestyle via negativa. Yeah. And there's not one right answer, right? Like there's just, we buy things thinking that they're going to be the magic bullet or the final the, the one thing that we haven't tried that we've been looking for our whole lives that will finally solve that issue. And like, this was a, our thesis of good for you, right? Like we're always looking for that thing and defining our identities by the new things that we try constantly or the things that we buy. And it's just not like, it's uh, it's never going to be the thing. There's never going to be one thing. Like there are so many incredible spiritual tools that I'm like, that I'm like, wow, this is the thing. I'm obsessed with this. I'm going to do this forever. And then I, five years later, I'm like, yeah, that thing is really cool. And so is this other one that I just found out about. And I want to use them all, you know? Yeah. To use that analogy again, it's like, you feel like you're drowning. So you're grasping for anything you can hold on to that will prop you up even just for a second. So you're kind of more vulnerable and susceptible to being influenced. There's that phrase in medicine. It's like, first, do no harm. If you're in a phase where you feel like you're like, I need to buy this course or a reading or a, a great thing is like first buy no thing yeah. and realize it's it's actually from within that you need to turn. It's really hard to get away from that when you're in that grasping space. For example, we have the North Node, right? Sometimes it's hard for me to even talk about the North Node as this incredible like library that we have because I'm like, there's not 
one right answer inside of it. Like there are hundreds of classes and concepts. Yeah. How do you even <laughs> begin to describe it? Yeah. And like, okay, you need, you need help, help with marketing. Well, there's like a lot of different ways to tackle that. There's not just like you need to do, you need to send out a weekly email. Like, okay, yeah, that could be a great place for you to start. But like for the person sitting next to you, that might not be the right place for them to start. And that's so unsatisfying. <laughs> right? Like in marketing, that is not what we want to hear. We want to, we're told to like tell people what the one answer is, the one final solution, the one that's going to work for them. That's your product. That's what you're here to sell. And I think like we know, and this is maybe like ethical marketing or non-coercive marketing. We know that we're just, we're trading problems, right? We're giving someone a set of upgraded problems. We're not solving all of their problems. If I help you write a better email, you're not going to suddenly have like self-confidence and be able to walk into any room and make anyone fall in love with you instantly. And like, I don't know, what's another cool thing that people can do that and and grow six inches. <laughs> make like, everybody like, laugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're coming up with good stuff. I'm like, be, be the taller. funniest person um, in the room. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think that brings up such a good point. It's actually almost easier to sell people on replacing a habit with something else instead of the idea of eliminating or reversing or decreasing or doing less is so difficult as humans because we're like, I'm comfortable. I don't want to take this away. It's just the idea of doing less, of reducing is very tough, I think, in our society to... Mm grapple with. Yeah. I think we're conditioned to be productive because of capitalism, of course, but also I think from like to get spiritual, um, boredom is when, like when we're kids, we're bored the most. Right. And that's also when you have the biggest imagination. Mm -hmm. That's when you believe that's when you have faith. That's when you come up with the best ideas, the the wildest ideas. And we don't provide ourselves with the opportunity to be bored as adults. Um, I think because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't fill that silence, we're afraid of what we will hear. And I don't know, man, I don't think you need to be afraid. Like it might be really intimidating and scary, but I think that you can be trusted with what you have, what, what you hear, you know, like you wouldn't be able to hear it if you couldn't hold it. Yeah. And I think to your point about also negative space, being neutral and creating It's like you have to create a container to have that negative space Mm -hmm. um, or the white space or whatever you want to call it. I think that feels scary because we're so used to so many constant inputs and stimuli, which we're just addicted to. Mm -hmm. I think we're really taught constantly that filling our, our voids, filling space with anything is better than nothing. And you have to actively resist that and create boundaries for it. And that is something you have to be super intentional about. And know that 99% of people are, are going to not do that. And like, are, don't, we'll never get to the point where they're like, yeah, that's, that's definitely what I need is like more time to think. <laughs> Most people are like, mm, I'd rather run in the opposite direction than actually do that. So interesting to think about the different various comfort zones there, because sometimes when you realize that other people, you know, your friends or family members genuinely don't want that Mm -hmm. you kind of understand them better and then you can be like oh okay Mm -hmm. why am I expecting you to act like xyz meanwhile you're not somebody who like needs that or wants that in their life and to your point they probably would never will yeah or you know 
people change. They might they might go through something and yeah, that's and true. want it or no, no one changes or or maybe they've already gone through it. You know, maybe they went through it and you're coming to them 30 years later and you're like, why aren't you thinking about your life all the time? And they're like, I don't know, bro. It ain't that deep. I already did the thinking. Yeah. They're like, I've been around the block. I did that in my past life. Exactly. (laughs) I'm just here to enjoy. That's via negativa. I love this mental model. I know. Me too. It's like really refreshing to me to instead of like scurry, you know, like to scurry to solve the problem and buy the thing and do like add more, more, more stuff to just be like, what if we erased some things. <laughs> if you just bloop, took them back, you know? Press pause, freeze frame. Should we do our our sections for Via Negativa? Okay. So Via Negativa, a coffee or a matcha drinker? I think a coffee. I think it's a black coffee. I agree. Just straight up to the point. Classic. Doesn't mess around. Caffeine right in the veins, you know? Yes, exactly. Do we think there's one weird thing about about Via Negativa? I think the one weird thing about Via Negativa is it sounds more dark than it is. Yeah. No, I, I agree. We hear negative and we're like, no, no, but I don't want to manifest something bad because my subconscious doesn't know the difference between positive and negative thoughts, but that's not, stop it, stop. Just be normal. Be real. Just be real. Be real. God, chill. (laughs) You know what? Well, fucking put. Okay, so (laughs) is (laughs) is Via Negativa a morning glory or a hobbit hole? I think, I think, I think hobbit hole. I I don't think they're like waking up early because they have to wake up early. I think they're like, I just do what I want. And if I happen to wake up, great. But like, whatever. It's a bit like laissez-faire. Don't rush me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sun, moon, rising for Via Negativa is? Um, okay. I think they have just a spiritual mystic sun because that's the that's where it comes from, right? Mm. It comes from like the unknowingness of like the divine and like just searching for that. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. love, love, as someone who went to Catholic school and then like almost minored in religious studies in college. I just like love mystics. I love spiritual, like religious mystics, I might say. Uh, so I think they're a religious mystic sun. I think that they are a stoner moon. And I love that. Combo. <laughs> and I think that they are a... So, um, gotta be Scorpio, Pisces. Yeah, I was gonna say like downtown... Like they're a downtown person, like a downtown it girl rising. Not not it girl. Like I was gonna say punk rock rising. Punk rock rising is good. Maybe? Yeah, I like that. I was just picturing like leather and like maybe some cigarettes. Mm, you know? Yes. Mm, okay. <laughs> maybe like contemporary punk modern punk rock yeah. rising. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That means. <laughs> Where do you think they fall on the V to P scale, on the Virgo to Pisces scale? I wanna say kind of giving me like Tauran vibes, Taurus, like grounded, earthly Mm -hmm. in the sense that there's no bullshit. They like their routines, but they like pretty things also. Yes. Okay. Actually, I feel like I was going to say Capricorn, but I do feel like Taurus is right because Capricorn can like be not to be like stereotypical about it, but they can be a little bit workaholic. Like I could see Capricorn like trying to add a little bit more. And I feel like Taurus is like, no, I'm done. (laughs) <laughs> they are not. They're like, I'll take my sweet time. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it well, but don't yeah. rush me. 
don't don't do not rush me and do not add more to I'm not doing more than I have to. I'm doing exactly the right amount. As a Taurus moon, I I love love a Taurus mm. energy. Okay, so would you be an acolyte of the Via Negativa? Hell yeah. Tattoo it on my body. Just like let's let's do it. Let's go, baby. What would the tattoo be? I don't know. Nothing. Maybe like via via negativa. <laughs> I kind of like the way of denial. A box. Like the way of denial is just like in script. A pessimist dream. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you're not a pessimist. <laughs> uh, I like the way of denial because it really, it doesn't actually even connote pessimism. No. It's really like, wait, what'd you say? What are you denying? But it's not even about denying. I'm into that. Mm-hmm. Also like maybe a negative space, like sort of art situation like maybe an out a negative space outline or something that could be cool Mm. like the inverse of of like a matisse um matisse's cutouts okay we are acolytes we're getting tatted we're (laughs) sipping the (laughs) kool-aid or the lack thereof because it might be unnecessary because it's probably not part of your healthy day-to-day routine which i feel like this archetype is allowing themselves to indulge in the deliciousness of life, but they're also like, I don't need cake every day because then it's not as tasty. Yep. Cake on most days, just not every day. (laughs) Okay. So that's via negativa. Hopefully it was helpful for you. Hopefully you didn't know about it, dear listener. And uh, we want to hear from you. Did you like this episode? What do you think? Are you going to employ via negativa in your life? Are you going to ask, what am I not? What could I stop doing instead of what do I need to buy? What do I need to add? I don't know. Try it. Let us know what you think. Let us know. Write into us. DM us at Holisticism on IG or there's a link in the show notes. You can tell us exactly what you thought. Please be nice. Or if you want to suggest any topics that we cover, we are always here for you. So write to us. And also, if you want to support this podcast for just $5.99 a month, you can also do that in the show notes. You get a special extra audio course each month, plus all of the episodes we put out every week anyways. So we love you and thank you in advance for your support so we can do this and make it fun. You're the best. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. The Twelfth House is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay, and our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.